épicier l'avait gardée dans son comptoir Le percepteur la conservait dans son tiroir La fleur si belle de notre espoir Welcome back, everybody. I hope you enjoyed your Thanksgiving or Hanukkah or uh, solstice that didn't happen yet, but maybe it will by the time you listen. I don't know. It's true. We hope you enjoyed your Valentine's Day 2014 in case you're really wavy. You're really behind. I just want to be all inclusive because, you know, it's 2013 and people are very sensitive about things. So anyway, it's the Feminine Critique where we talk about the holidays. (laughs) <laughs> wait is that the podcast i'm on crap i should have probably sent you the outline earlier oh well we'll we'll we'll, we'll go with it we're we're quick um so today now well i am emily and i am joined by hi my name is christine indeed it is today we are going to be talking about some um very good i think they're good movies for christmas yeah they're super festive really upbeat lighthearted Celebrate the, the the joy you see in a child's eye on Christmas morning. You know, there in Man Bites Dog, it takes place during the holidays. At one point, There's yeah, there are, there are some holiday scenes. Yeah, yeah. so I mean, we we picked well. Uh, the movies we'll be covering is Christine's pick of Man Bites Dog, yes, and my pick of Series Seven, The Contenders. Yes, so we'll get to those shortly. Uh, before we do that, we like to talk about some movies we've been watching uh, recently. Now we've hasn't been that long since we recorded. Correct. Um, but I've got a few. Do I have a, go first? I have a few, too. I mean, that's up to you. Whatever. You can go first. You go. You go. Oh, okay. Um, did I mention that I watched The Kids Are All Right the last time? Um, I don't think you did. I don't think I did. Well, I watched no, that I finally. we talked about what Maisie knew, which made me think of The Kids Are All Right. Yes. That, that was it. What did you think I of w- The Kids Are All Right? I was very disappointed. Me, too. It took me. It took me almost four years to see it. <laughs> <laughs> what but, did you? Uh, what disappointed you? I, all of it. It. Ah. It was like I think I tweeted something like, "Well, you know, everything works out because marriage." Like, ah. like it really nothing was. I, nothing felt earned. Okay. Um, it was just like obligation. Yeah. Ah. What? What? What didn't you like about it? Um, there were. Uh, okay, what I liked about it was actually the kids. I thought the... Oh, absolutely. They were great. The two younger actors. It's um, PETA in Alice in Wonderland. It's PETA? It's PETA, oh, yeah. Oh, God, I didn't even realize that was PETA. Yeah, PETA in Alice in Wonderland. And, yeah, in Alice in Wonderland. Um, they were fantastic. And their storyline was fantastic. Definitely. My problem was the movie starts, and it's about Mark Ruffalo. And the movie's, what, maybe an hour 45 or so? Yeah, yeah. Um, at about the hour 25 mark, this isn't really a spoiler alert, it's a mild spoiler alert for the movie, um, Mark Ruffalo's character disappears from the entire movie and is never mentioned, or never we never come back to him. Yeah. And, like, it was his story for so long. But they do a switch up there. They say, like, hey, this was, but now it's not. It's about this family. But the movie ends, and I'm like, well, so what the fuck happened to Mark Ruffalo? Like, it felt very incomplete to me, and I, especially considering it got so much buzz. Yeah, I don't understand that. Yeah, and I didn't, I wasn't crazy about Annette Benning in it. Um, uh, Julia Moore was okay. Yeah. But, like, Mark Ruffalo had, like, a really interesting story and arc, and I was there for his character, and then the movie was like, no, nah, we weren't talking about the lesbians yeah. now. Everything was really painted with broad 
strokes yeah. too. It was like I felt like I was watching caricatures of mm-hmm. of actual people, and that's yeah. kind of unfortunate. Yeah. Uh, the one thing I did um, do have to point out was uh, the character that plays Mark Ruffalo's girlfriend. Um, season three, runner up, America's Next Top Model. Oh, really? Yeah, that was yeah, yeah. She's done a couple of films, but yeah, that's really exciting when I see an American, an ANTM alum make it big. So yeah, she looks really bodily. Yeah, yeah. Um, all right, so what else did you watch? Uh, on Thanksgiving Day, I started off with um, the Dawn of the Dead remake. Oh, nice. That's how, that's how I do things around well, these I, I do prefer the theatrical cut to the unrated to the unrated cut that just adds more dialogue that I'm not crazy about, um, but yeah. I do love that movie. I like the, I, I watched the unrated cut. I tend to watch that one. I, I like I like it. Um, I love that movie. So yeah. Me too. Me too. Um, then I saw the new Hunger Games movie. Mm-hmm. Tell. I liked it a lot. Um, the uh, complaint that a lot of people are saying is, oh, you know, it, there's too much time before they actually got to to the games in this one. But uh, um, I mean, I don't. I think you need all that time. I don't feel like any of it's wasted. I agree, but this is where, again, where it comes in, like, well, I haven't read the books. People keep saying, right. keep adding yeah. and if, and I, I, I know this is the case with a lot of books, mm-hmm. but this really does work more of, more like a companion to the books than, like, a really great adaptation. Yeah, I guess so. I, I can't say, because for the first film, I felt like it held up on its own, but now uh-huh. that I've read the books, it's hard to say that for this one, just because I have no idea. Yeah. And the thing is, like, you need all of the buildup because it has to explain everything that's happening in the next movie. Yeah. Like, we were talking about, on our last episode when Erica was here, and we were talking about the Capitol not getting enough time in the first movie. It's like, well, you they have to do it in the second movie because otherwise you need to know what they're fighting for in the third movie. Yep. And I, I, I liked it a lot. As, as someone who has read the books, I liked it a lot. I really liked Joanna. She's my favorite. Joanna and Finnick are my favorite yep. um, book characters, and they did not disappoint in the movies. Um, it was great to see all the um, the characters, like, as like oh, my God, oh, my God. I was just so excited to see everybody, right. and everybody has a face. But a, a complaint as someone who has read the books when they did get to the games, something that I thought was missing was the 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 cutting in between like what the action and like people watching it or the action and like Caesar commenting on it. It didn't feel like it was being broadcast. Huh. I can't really remember. Well, in the book, I mean, you don't get any of it because it's all her point of view. Yeah, but in the first one, I, they did a really good job of, yeah. of you always felt like you knew the stakes and you knew everybody's right, watching. Right. You knew wh- how people were reacting to what yeah, they were this doing. One, they, they keep most of it in the arena, I think. Yeah, which is which is cool. I just yeah. really liked that aspect of the of the first one that it felt like you know it played into that whole reality TV thing. Like people are watching this, and these are real people in real lives. You know. Right, right. I can see that. Yeah. Huh. So I would like to watch it again, though. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Um, I watched a documentary on the Instant Watch called Misrepresentation. What is it about? Um, it's about the media depictions of women. Huh, okay. um, it's really good. Huh. Uh, it's m- the word miss, like M-I-S-S, and then the word representation. I'm writing it down because I haven't heard about it. So. Um, I recommend it. It's it's kind of, I feel like it's angled, especially once you get to the closed credits, to like be shown in high school. Okay. Like, hey girls, don't stop, just stop it. This is crazy kind of stuff. But there's something but, really good about that because, I mean, that's... Yeah, that, that. yeah, it's like real interesting though. I, I liked it a lot, so I recommend. I am intrigued. 
Um, and then December 1st rolled around, and I was like, well, I am just going to only watch Christmas Silent movies. Deadly Night, the entire series. Or movies that take place during the, the Christmas holiday. Okay. So I decided to watch Jingle All the Way. Um, oh, God. Yes, I'm, I'm glad you did because I was even thinking of picking that for Oh, man. I wouldn't have had to rewatch How? it. What? Well, just tell me. You tell me. What you oh, it's, it's ter- I've seen it before. It's okay. terrible. It's as terrible as I remember, if, if not worse. It's such a, It's so mean. Yeah. And the tone is everywhere. And what they do with Sin, Sinbad's character... Yeah. They have him because now this is like the movie's what ninety six I think he's a he's yeah, a mailman a- and they actually have him make a joke about being a mailman and with a bomb because he's disgruntled. Yeah, like, no, 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 that's not funny. Like that's really not funny. Correct. It's it's weird and and to harken back to what I was just talking about, there's like no depictions of women in this at all. It's yeah. all about like a little boy and his dad. Like I felt well, then, so alienated. Is, is from it Kathleen Quinlan? Is that the wife? No, it's um. Um, it's not Rita Tom Hanks. Yes, 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 yes. Right. It is. Yeah, Rita Hanks. That's her. Um, and doesn't like Phil Hartman is the neighbor and he's trying to hit on her the whole time. Yeah, the whole time, and he's like like the um, the neighborhood gigolo kind of. Yeah. Um, yeah, there was not. I felt so alienated from this film. Yeah. I I really didn't like it. Speaking of which, I then watched Jack Frost, um, the one? Michael the, the Michael, Michael Keaton one. Keaton one. Okay. It's the same movie, only yeah. the dad is a dead snowman. <laughs> <laughs> it's I a really good double feature. I could totally see that working. I watched them back to back because I hate myself. Clearly. Um, but Jack Frost is Jingle All the Way. With a dead with, snowman, yeah. With a dead dad so snowman. My favorite thing about Jack, aside from the whole like joke of the fact that it came out the same year as the horror movie Jack Frost and everything, <laughs> is that Jack Frost in the Michael Keaton movie as a creation is so much scarier than the, the killer snowman. Oh. There are times in that I, it, it's so disturbing looking. Do you know? Did you know that it was a Henson creation? No. Yes, oh, I was so curious that because is I was upsetting. Because there's like a um a like a Muppet Christmas special from like back when we were little, um where there there was a talking snowman in it, and um, oh the well, you're a Muppet Family Christmas. Yeah, I think it was. Yeah, the um, snowman with Fozzie. Remember? Yeah. Yeah. It kind of reminded me of him, and I was like, "Is this oh, a Henson? That's thing? cute." And yeah. Well, this one is supposed to look like Michael Keaton, too. <laughs> I like Michael Keaton, but I don't want his face on a snowman. I just don't. So Only crazy, folks. Both of those are streaming, so I recommend you watch them back to back. Ooh, Jingle All the Way is streaming, okay. It's a good um, thing I didn't know that before the show, because I would have made it my oh, first time. Um, and I wouldn't have had to rewatch it, because I already watched uh-huh. it. Um, I then popped in my Blu-ray disc of Drive Angry, a film that we saw That's together. Right. Drive Angry 3D. <laughs> yes, we saw it in 3D. Mm-hmm. Um, I like that movie a lot. It's, it's ridiculous, fun. and it still holds up for me. This is probably the fifth or sixth time I've watched it. Nice. Um, I watched, it's, it, this is streaming on instant, the Aziz Ansari um, oh, okay. comedy special, the Buried Alive one. I hadn't watched it yet. I really like him. He's funny. I love him on Parks and Rec. I don't know much about him as a person or as a yeah. comedian. I, I like his stuff usually. It's not typically like some. I still I'm not a fan of mean spirited comedy. Yeah, I, I know that coming from me of all people, that's, <laughs> that's ridiculous. But he's he's really funny without being like a total dickhead. Right, right. Um, and then yesterday I watched John dies at the end finally. Still haven't seen it. Ain't good. Yeah, I would like. You know what? We should do it on the show because I would really like to talk about it. Okay, we'll do it eventually. Um, it seemed a bit homophobic to me, but I liked Ooh, it. Interesting. 
not because of the homophobia. <laughs> <laughs> we do know how much you hate the gays, Christine. Um, just, it, I liked it a lot. It just, there were some weird choices in it, I thought. But yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's Coscarelli, man. I'm, yeah, I'm down. Yeah, I'm a fan of them. And that's all, that's it for me. That's all she wrote? Yep. That's all the murder she wrote. <laughs> See what I did there. Is that all you have on yours? Um, surprisingly <laughs> not. Although I've told you I've had to record it now off the Hallmark Channel. Yes. It's very upsetting because it's like the the show, it, I'll be watching an episode from like 1989. And so the style and what, what everybody's, and even actually, even the episodes that were made in like 1994, it looks like they were done in 1989. They just look like they were still ripped in the, out of the 80s. And then the commercials come on, and the commercials all of a sudden people have cell phones, and they're modern, and it's a it's a jarring experience. That I, <laughs> um, but it's, if it's the only way I can watch it, then I will just have to. Uh, what did I watch? I watched a few movies, including uh, 1989's, I think, Quick Change with Bill Murray, Gina Davis, Randy Quaid, Jason Robards. Have you ever seen it? No. What is that? It's a comedy. Okay. In which uh, you would recognize it as. Um, there's a bank robbery. Bill Murray robs a bank, and he's dressed like a clown when he does it. Okay, that's kind of... Okay. Uh, it's very much a... It starts off kind of as a bank robbery heist comedy and turns into a, like, trapped in New York City uh, kind of, like, wackiness. It's uh-huh. really fun. It's very funny. There's a lot of random people who show up. Um, Kurtwood Smith pops up. Tony Shalhoub. So there's, like, all these, like, random faces that you're like, whoa, that guy. That's good. It's fun. It's a it's a Bill Murray when he's, like, you could tell Bill Murray cares about it. Um, <laughs> and I think it's, it was actually co-directed by Bill Murray. It was him hmm. and, I forget who the other director was, but it was basically, like, a, you know, a project that you can tell that he wasn't coasting, which he can do very yeah. easily. So definitely recommend if you're a fan of that era, I'd say. Hmm. Um, I also watched... Uh, I, I think you know this. I don't know if everybody else knows this. I really like those, like, super earnest, super um, overdramatic Christian movies. Yes. Because they're just sometimes really entertaining. Yes. And one movie popped up on... I get a lot of recommendations for these kinds of movies on Netflix. Um, and one of them that is on Instant Watch was a movie that was in the news pretty big last year uh, called October Baby. Uh-huh. Do you know this movie? No. Okay, it, it had a lot of press because they, um, basically they released it uh, in, the, it was going to be like a, you know, it was a small-ish production, and it was going to go probably straight to DVD, but then, um, I want to say it was Mississippi, they basically put it in movie theaters and gave it like a big push, because it was right before a vote on, um, I forget the like technical term for it, but it was basically about like uh, what term a woman could have an abortion. Mm-hmm. Um, so this movie was sort of done like in a oh, way. Oh, like the propaganda. name. Okay. Yeah. Like, uh, like, like where in her term can she still have it? So this right. movie, October Baby, is about a like 19 year old girl who, of course, is like, you know, really pretty and everything, but is supposed to be really nerdy. And, you know, obviously <laughs> she's got beautiful eyebrows, by the way. Um, but she has like all these crazy health problems. Like she has asthma and epilepsy and her dad finds her journal. And in her journal, she's written all things like how she doesn't think she belongs in this world. And, you know, she wonders if she ever should have been born. So her parents take that moment to reveal to her that she was actually adopted. Uh, and she was the product of a late term abortion gone wrong or right, depending, I guess. Oh, um, yeah, so basically she, she survived an abortion, and that is why not only does she have these health problems, but also why she always felt like she didn't belong in the world. Um, is that what happens? 
Apparently, yes. And, and and if we are to believe the nurse we meet later in the movie, there's like there's this scene where Jasmine Guy shows up and she plays the nurse who helped deliver her. And it's weird because it's actually a really good scene in that like this movie's it's pretty mediocre. Like the lead girl is is okay. Um, but most of the acting is meh, the writing is meh. And then you get to this scene with Jasmine Guy where it's actually a really good scene. Like Jasmine Guy is just giving this really good, believable, touching performance, except you listen to what she's saying, and it's like, after a while, I realized, you know, this sort of thing happened a lot, and that basically then it's like, oh, then the clinic got shut down, and it's kind of suggesting that all abortions are terrible, and could, re- could like, every abortion could result in a healthy baby, essentially. Yes. Um, oh, gosh. But so it's, I mean, this movie is just so bizarre in terms of tone, because it tries at one point to be like a road movie where like her and her friends are going on this road trip and there's like wacky hijinks with police officers. But then it, then the next scene, it's like she's confronting her birth mother and it's very um, like it's made earnestly. So it's it's fascinating to watch because you can see that like the people that made it really, really wanted to do something with this. And it's not the worst thing I've ever seen. Like, it's shot very pretty. Like, I think the directors also do a lot of, like, Christian music videos. Uh-huh. The scenery looks beautiful. The cinematography so it looks fine. nice. Yeah, totally. Um, it's just so clumsy, I guess. Um, and it's very, very demeaning in the end to, like, the like the birth mother when you finally find her. Like, it's just so condescending and, and everything else. But, um, you know, if you're like me, then you might enjoy it in your own weird way. Um, so that was October Baby. It's on on Instant Watch, everybody. I was going to say, I can't believe that's not your Instant Recommend. <laughs> um, another movie I finally got to. It took me some time, but I was very happy to finally get there. Um, Premium Rush. Oh, yeah. What would you think? <laughs> it was really fun. Yeah, it, I, it, it, it I thought so. Time. Yeah, it's... I'm, um, I mean, Michael Shannon's just going gonzo, which is awesome. Joseph Gordon-Levitt's really, really likable and cute in it. And yeah. it's just... It's very it's a movie that just doesn't stop and kind of takes pride in that. And I feel like the movie, the tone and style of the movie is very, um, in sync with the story. If that makes mm-hmm. sense. Yeah. Like the story is about this, this guy who's a bike messenger who just, who, you know, doesn't like being confined and just rides and moves. And the movie does that. So it's actually surprisingly well done when I really think about it. Um, I watched just now a movie I had never seen, um, Mutiny on the Bounty from 1935. Oh, really? I went classy today. Very nice. What are you thinking? I don't know. Brandon had it from Netflix, so I was like, oh, it's one of those movies everybody talks about and I have nothing to say on, so I'll watch it. So what'd you you think? I enjoyed it. I actually liked it quite a bit. Uh, it's Clark Gable being British, but not being British, because he's Clark Gable. He doesn't have to be. Um, Charles Lawton just being a dick. And if anything, I kind of, I like Charles Lawton, but I feel like he didn't have to, if he was almost too much of a dick in some ways. Mm-hmm. Um, and then like the best thing is after on the DVD, there's a special feature where they like kind of do a documentary of it. And it's so condescending to like the native people of Tahiti and like, Jesus. you know, these savages who finally got Christianity and everything. But the movie itself is quite good. So it is a recommend if you've never watched it. Um, and then to kick off the season when we were putting up our tree and decorating the apartment and I was attempting to glitter a stocking, which didn't go so well. Oh, I saw that on the Facebook. Yeah, it didn't go so well. I should try to do it, but I don't know that I'd be any better at it. Um, but anyway, to go along with that, we, um, turned on to the YouTubes 
and found a very Brady Christmas. Oh, very nice. Yeah. That's nice. Have you watched any time of recent? No, not at all. Yeah, it's, um, if you were a Brady Bunch fan, which I kind of am, uh, it's, it's fun because it's just them grown up. Mm -hmm. And so, I mean, it's the same house, but the movie is, you know, made in 1988. And the house does look like it's the Brady house in 88. All the Bradys have grown up. Um, and the best thing about the movie is how much sex there is in it. Really? Yeah, there's so many scenes where a character is like, you know, makes like, like naughty eyes. And then it like cuts to, like, you can tell they just had sex. There's a scene where Jan and her husband are about to have sex. And Carol walks in and then is like, oh, I'll go tell everybody you guys overslept that like she walks out so they can have sex. Um, so a surprisingly horny little pretty Christmas. Huh. And then the last thing I will mention, um, like many people across the, the country, I watched on uh, Thursday night, NBC did a kind of a wacky idea where they did a live uh, big budget stage version of The Sound of Music. Oh, I think I kind of heard about that. If you were on Twitter, I'm sure you did, because everybody had something to say about it. Wow, and you watched it. I, I did, yeah. It was, um, Carrie Underwood was, was cast in the Julie Andrews role. Uh-huh. Uh, Stephen Moyer from True Blood was cast yes. in Bold Shop. And then the rest of the cast, thankfully, was mostly, like, Broadway people. So it was Audra McDonald and Laura Benanti and Christian Borle and, like, people that are Broadway performers who know how to kind of handle it. Uh-huh. Um, it was... It was fun. It, I'm not the biggest Sound of Music fan, so I don't care that much. But I just like that they did it and hope that they do more of these. Because it's a pretty cool idea to do of let's do a big budget live show and air it, you know, air it on, on a major network. Mm -hmm. Carrie Underwood was, could sing but couldn't act to save her pretty blonde hair. Um, but overall, you know, it was, it was fine. Interesting. So do you know if it did well? Did it get, like, I, good ratings and I stuff? I would be really surprised if it didn't, just based on how much everybody was talking about it. Yeah. Um, I, I wonder if they'll do more. Yeah, I would love for them to do more. Because, I mean, hey, why not? It's a great I, way to get people, you know, knowing a little to more. Actually, to actually watch television, too. Yeah, yeah certainly. Yeah. And, I mean, it was funny, because watching it, like, the whole thing was like, it's live, anything can happen. And as I'm watching it, I'm like, you know, how do we know this is live? <laughs> you caught me in a yawn. I started laughing and I was <laughs> choked. Like, there's nothing, like, in a way, it, it might not have, like, there was no reason. Like, you, there was no way for you to tell? Technically, no. Yeah. You know? I mean, it didn't matter, but it, like, it just made me wonder. I'm like, oh, I, don't know. I wonder. Um, but yeah, it was, per it was perfectly passable entertainment and if they did more of them I would be very happy because hey let's do it there's a lot of great great musicals out there folks that's true let's, let's do them all there's a lot of American Idol winners that you know can use some work so why not <laughs> yep yep um that's all I really had to watch I think, oh. as far as I remember so with that said yes should we take a little break Sure. And then when we come back, uh, chronologically, should we go with uh, Man Bites Dog first? That's kind of what I was thinking. Okay, we're going to do that, folks. We'll be back shortly. Your heart feels so right, your eyes swim in the beer where the bar room lights are hung. With your friend Jojo and with your friend Pierre, you drink a toast to being young. Jojo thinks he's Voltaire, and Pierre 
Casanova and me who proudly did not care me me I was a lover and at midnight we watched the lawyers pass coming out of hotels which had real class we showed them our good manners and we showed them our ass and oh how we sang the middle class are just like pigs the older they get the dumber they get the middle class are just like pigs the fatter they get the less they regret We're back here to talk about Christine's pick, 1992's, uh, I would love to say it in French, but I didn't even write down the French title, so... Celle de la presse de chevaux. Oui. Oui. Now, the the English language title is Man Bites Dog. Apparently, the French title is translated into It Happened in Your Neighborhood. Yes. Which is what I just think I just said. Uh, you did, but you said it in French. Did, yeah, oh, I thought, yeah. yeah. yeah well, that was for we our non We can't all speak fluent French like I do. Exactly. Are you going to ask me why I picked it? Sure. Let's start um, I picked it because of what you picked. I did, yes. I started with Series 7. And yeah. no, you had never seen this, correct? Correct. Have you? Had you? Uh, I had. I had downloaded it. I had gone through this, um, I say a phase, but I felt like I've stopped doing it. Um, where I was on a quest to watch all of the movies that people described as being like the most disturbing films of all time. Yeah. Um, and this is one that sometimes gets put into that conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I had watched it. I w- this was a period of my life that I'm not very proud of, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to confess something on air. And um, I should probably check to see what the statute of limitations is on this. But um, back in the day, I was a bit of a downloader. Really? I didn't yeah. know that about you. Um, now, to to give some context, I was living in Russia. Oh, see, it all makes sense yeah. now. Um, I couldn't really buy movies because they wouldn't work on my computer. I would have to change my computer system over, and I could only do that like six times before it all blew up or something. Um, and I, you know, the TV was in Russian, so I had no other way to do things. So I would download movies. And I downloaded this one only um, as sometimes karma, uh, you know, knows what people are doing wrong. I could not, I downloaded it like three times and could never get it with English subtitles. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I watched it in, in French with like Swedish subtitles or something. Uh, and so I never got to watch it with the actual um, knowing what they were saying. So mm-hmm. this was my first time watching it with them, with knowing what they were saying as I watched it. Uh, now, so would you like to tell us uh, what happens in this movie, what it's about? Okay, do you want me to really tell you? Or do you want me to bullshit my way through. I want you to tell me. Ugh. Okay. So this is a movie about clearly an alcoholic who has a lot of problems and likes to kill people, and he he considers it his job or something, and a f- documentary film crew follow him around. Yep. I mean, I don't know. Should I show my hand right now? Oh, do it. Did you... I- no, I hated it. Wow, really? Yeah. There were a few things that worked for me visually. Um, I found it needlessly self-indulgent oh, and, yeah. and, like, really self-important. And, like, and maybe this is because it is 92. I mean, mm-hmm. I was 10 when this movie got made. We were 10. We were kids. So if I had seen it, if I was, like, me now in 1990. 
No, but like if I was a grown person and I saw this in 1992, I might have been like, this is fucking crazy. I can't even believe this is like breaking this fourth wall or whatever. And oh, my God, is this real or fake? Like some Blair Witch shit. But um, I'm not and I didn't. And I'm old now. And and I guess time has not. I guess I can say this. If a movie is just successful in a certain way because of when it was made and can't really age <laughs> because if it ages it loses what made it interesting and important in the first place then how good of a movie was it okay yeah i had that problem watching um the gus van sam to die for i had okay yeah, yeah because it's i remember when it came out and people loved it and i watched it maybe like a year or two ago and the thing was it's it was very, um, what, do you, what do you, what's the word for it? Um, not ahead of its time, but like, it predicted a lot. It very much was about kind of this, like, reality, sudden, sudden need that everybody has to be famous and how they can do it by being stupid or doing something stupid, like killing yeah. someone. And so on one hand, it was like, wow, this was really like, really was predicting some things that would come. But on the other hand, it was like, this isn't shocking or interesting because I know these things about society and mankind. This okay. This is that's the exact reaction I had to this. Yeah, I could and I could totally see that with this one, especially. And again, it's hard to not compare. Like I don't want to compare it, but so I'll compare it now, and then we'll get into the movie itself. But you look at this next to, um, even uh, well, I kept thinking watching this one, Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer, which yeah. came out maybe a year or two before I think, or was made well before, but came out probably around the same time. Which is still effective. It's still very effective, yeah. And at the same time was also, it's it's a very different movie, but it's impossible now to not compare this to Leslie Vernon. Yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. I didn't even, I, when really? I was watching it, I didn't even think that. Oh, see, to me, like, watching it this time around, especially because this time I think I was really focusing on the crew. Yeah. Um, is that it's, it brings up the same issues, and I love Leslie Vernon, but it, it's this whole time you're watching it, you're also kind of having those questions of, like, aside from, and this movie never gets into how the crew found him or how he found the film yeah. crew, so you're kind of, like, left, like, asking a lot of these questions, um, and which Leslie Vernon does, too, and, it's, and you're also, like, okay, at what point are we supposed to suspend disbelief that the crew would be going along with this? And with Leslie Vernon, they answer it because, you know, once shit gets real it gets real for the crew too yeah with this one um and maybe part of it is i maybe that part of that was an intention was intentional and i wouldn't be surprised if there was like deleted scenes where um you know they start the movie with them like sitting to him down and be and with him sitting down and being like so you guys are gonna do a documentary of my life okay let me tell you like um instead the movie jumps into it which i think is effective because it doesn't waste time at uh, this movie yeah is pretty short and goes by quite pretty quickly i think I, I can agree with that yeah um but at the same time it does it's hard to really watch it the whole time and not be like wait so like they're 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 totally going along with it the whole time huh um it seems that way it seems i and from what i read um in like user reviews on um imdb and stuff and just randomly clicking around the internet i guess that's supposed to be the most compelling thing or that's what some people find to be the most compelling thing about this is the film crew's involvement and, and their 
I feel like that's in many ways the main point of the film. Like, if you walk away trying to think, like, well, what's it about? It's not about Ben or Benoit. Mm-hmm. It's really about the, like, where, about the film crew's journey. But yeah. I, I do think it's such a problem because we don't know anything about them at any point in the movie. Like, we know, I guess you have, and I had a hard, because you have um, Remy, who's um, the kind of main guy that you see most of the time. He's got yeah. the long, dark hair. And then you have... So he's, I guess he's the official director. And then there is a sound guy and a camera guy. Yeah. And, and obviously you don't see the camera guy. Right. But then at one point, um, I think I was reading, I want to say it was the AV Club had a review of this film that I thought was a really, because I got so confused when, minor spoiler alert, something happens halfway through the film is the sound guy gets shot and he's dead. And, but then later, like a scene later, somebody else gets shot. And I'm like, wait, 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 what's, there were only three of them. How are they, how are they still filming? And then, like, I kind of didn't realize that they got another sound guy. Yeah, there's a, a scene where he, he refers to him as new guy. Yeah, and I just didn't yeah. catch that, because I guess in part I'm like, how do you just get a sound guy to come and make this documentary out a dude who's going around actually killing people? But, see, that's another thing where you, where you say, like, so they were just going along with it the whole time? Or even yeah. if they weren't, and it was because they were developing... Because like, the idea behind it is that, you know, Benoit is, like, a super charismatic dude, I guess. Yeah. Um, so it's very easy, like, you see the film crew getting seduced by him. Yeah, so, like, okay, but if you introduce somebody that... new guy. He's really just going to fall in line that quick? What I mean, again, suspend disbelief and say, yeah, absolutely, he is. Yeah, but the, oh, the AV Club's quote was um, that the sound men of this movie are the Spinal Tap drummers of the production. <laughs> that was great. Yeah, that's about right. And there's also that, and I think this was, and this was, again, something I had read, is that kind of the, one of, like, the... Um, inspiration for the film was about like these these the filmmakers are all like film students and they were talking about how hard it is to make a movie with no money and that I mean in this movie the doc the film crew's running out of money and Benoit is like I'll don't worry I'll I'll get you money so then they become very dependent on him um, so then they and again is that a metaphor for films and having to fall in line with the producers and the studio because you're ultimately at their whim when it comes to financing. Sure, maybe. If you want to make the same argument that Inception is about filmmaking, then yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, sure. Um, (laughs) um, I guess this works for a lot of people because because it, it, it was like hyper violent especially mm-hmm. for the time and it is very nihilistic yes. especially you know and um and it's doing something i mean we've seen it in things like american psycho and the ilk mm-hmm. like like a, a, like a charismatic murderer yes um but again and and i and to an extent i cannot blame this movie for the fact that i have seen this before mm-hmm. yeah. um it's not the movie's fault but if all that this movie has is things that are easily replicated or have lost impact, then that kind of is the movie's fault. I can see what you're saying. I mean, I think I like the idea behind it that I think they were going for that I don't think they quite got, which is that how, um, how the filmmakers get corrupted by it. Yeah. Because we do see in the very beginning, even though they're following him around as he kills innocent people... Um, we do see that they're made very uncomfortable by it. Um, after, like, the probably, like, one of the most disturbing scenes is early on where he, 
kills an old woman. Oh yeah, that that actually did bother me. Yeah, I mean the scene is just it's it because and it's important too because while um and I mean the actor I don't know his full French name Benoit. Sorry. Oh, I'm not going to even try to say that. So okay, no, sorry. I got it. I got it. Benoit Pelevoud. <laughs> Beautiful. Thank you. Um, I mean, he is great. And I'm sure most of this was improvised and him just going off. And I'm sure there's a lot on the cutting room floor. But, he, I mean, he is he is charming and he is funny. And so he's able to kind of charm his way into this old woman's house. And up to this point, like, we've seen him kill people, but he's still, like, you know, seems, like, kind of charming. And then he he kills this woman and just, you know, steals her stuff and is very cavalier about it. Where after that, like, it's very, like, it's a really ugly moment. And afterwards, the, the film crew is like, uh, no, we're, we're good. We're, we're done. We're, we're, we're okay. Yeah. Um, and they immediately get roped back in. And then from that point on, you know, it progresses. Because then the next big kind of murder set piece we have is when he goes to the suburbs and kills a family and has to kill a kid and has the film crew has to help hold the kid down while he smothers him and everything. And then finally we get to like the big climax in the movie, which is when like when Ma breaks in to kill a couple and the film crew participates in raping the woman that they eventually kill. Yeah. Um, so it which is was like, still, I think pretty effective. Oh yeah. Yeah. Cause it's, again, it's, it's never, I, this movie isn't glamorizing any of it. On one hand, like Benoit is very charismatic, but all of the scenes are so ugly and I mean he never it's never like a good fight like it's always him killing like people when they're least expecting it there's nothing brave or cavalier or cool about it um he has a system that's I mean he has a very specific system of how to weigh down bodies and how he doesn't kill kids not because he doesn't like killing kids but just purely because he knows there's no money in it Mm -hmm. and kidnapping is just messy because then the authorities get involved and you know so he and it's it's another tricky thing is like that I'm not quite sure I understand is he seems to kill for money. Yes. But it seems like you could kill and then be good for a while. Like, and so I don't know if he's just not good at financial planning. Um, maybe. Um, also I think as illustrated by that, Again, kind of interesting because it was so bizarre that that birthday party scene, or was it a birthday party, or just coming uh, home scene? I'm coming home party scene. I mean, where he just randomly shoots the dude in the head. Mm -hmm. I mean, so clearly it's more than just yeah money. And I couldn't, I didn't understand who knew and who didn't know. Yeah, did everybody know? Like, Like all the scenes with his parents and with his family. Which I think were, like, totally improved, where, like, his family was just, like, his actual, the actor's family was just in the scene, and, like, I don't, I think they were just filming them, basically doing their thing. Yeah. It's kind of cool, and the fact that it works so well is really cool. That is neat, yes, um, I agree. But I, I, I guess they didn't know, because when, spoiler alert, kind of, when the mother is visiting him in prison, it seems like she didn't know. Because she's like, I don't believe it, right? I never got the feeling that the parents knew. The other people in his life, I did. So, like, the the flautist girlfriend knew. Yeah. Like, they ask her pretty, pretty... They do, yeah. Pointedly, yeah. Um, like, what do you think of what he does? And she just claims ignorance. So, like, I don't... Well, she's like, I don't, I don't know. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. Um, his, like, um, prostitute friend. Yeah. Yes. 
Yeah, that's accurate. I guess she knew, I guess. Yeah, I got that feeling. Yeah. Yeah, it was it was a little unclear, I guess. Mm-hmm. Because it's kind of, you know, and it's something I really like about, like, and again, not to keep comparing it, but, like, the way Leslie Vernon establishes its universe, it's like, well, this these people know because they're also... Um, exactly. you know yeah. murderers and everything yeah um it's and like you know robert england knows because he's the ahab and everything yeah um was with this one it's just and i really had thought it was just the like first time i watched it without subtitles but reading along with the description when i watched it i really just assumed i missed things but this time watching it i'm like i didn't miss anything they don't say these things they don't say um like how he spoiler alert breaks out of jail yeah they don't is it really that easy to break out of jail i don't Belgium? know this is 1992 also, so maybe. That's a good point. And it is Belgium. It's not even France. <laughs> you know. Um, there's, uh, we learned some drinking games in this movie. Oh, yeah, that was actually kind of neat. Yeah, yeah, I liked it. Good to know. Good to know those things. Um, I like how we just, we didn't tell anybody. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you have to watch the movie to figure out the drinking no, game. Every they day. take like, like a shot of gin and then tonic water and then they tie a, a green olive to a sugar cube and then drop it in there. And whoever rises to the top first has to buy the next round. But it also cool. would probably be delicious because it's it sweet. Good. Yeah, I like on, gin and tonic. On, I mean, gin. Is, yeah, adding in like sugar and olive, somehow those things seem to go together in, so, in a weird twisted way that shouldn't. I immediately wanted to do it. And then maybe shoot shoot a guy and rape a lady. Yeah, yeah. This movie got me in a weird mood. Or a kid, I don't know. <laughs> exactly. One of the, one of the two, whichever. Um, or or sodomize somebody with a flute. That's always. Yeah, but I, I was reading. I was reading a breakdown of this movie on Wikipedia. Um, vague, vague. Kind of didn't mention it. Just touches upon <laughs> it. Flute in the anus. They really got that one though. <laughs> Everything else kind of just eh. like, oh, you know, Benoit, um, uh, you know, meets an elderly woman and might induce her to have a heart trouble. Then Benoit, spoiler alert, discovers his girlfriend with a flute stuck in her ass. Yeah, really, they spelled it out. So clearly <laughs> that's what stuck with the person who wrote that synopsis. Nice, nice. Um, yeah, it's it's a hard film to figure out kind of where your emotional investment is if you have it. Uh-huh. Um, because now there's a very, I don't really understand what was going on again. Like I'm, I'm kind of smart, I think. And I think you are I watch too. movies with care, but like, I didn't understand really who was doing, who was shooting. And then there were shots. And then who was after Benoit shooting him? Well, yeah, they shot somebody in that warehouse, and it yeah. was, like, somebody in a gang or something, and then that they decided to go, right? uh, yeah. go after everybody else. But it seemed, like, very... I don't know. And again, I guess maybe part of it is it's supposed to be a documentary, so you're not going to see everything. Yeah. So I'll, I'll give it that. Um, there's the very strange moment, too, where they stumble upon another film crew. Mm-hmm. And we have no idea what they're filming, but it almost, I kind of like that because there's a moment where you almost wonder, like, is there another serial killer? Being yeah, doing I mean, of course, thing? that's what I thought immediately. Yeah. And they never, they never go into it. It's just like this really weird moment that I, I really dug. And I, maybe I wanted more of that kind of surrealism in here. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Benoit twi- tries to show off that he can wiggle his ears, but he's not wiggling his ears. I can <laughs> 
<laughs> I thought I didn't think he was. I mean, maybe I can't weigh down a body with the same skill that he can, but I can wiggle my ears way. See, I kind of thought all that stuff was interesting, like like how like twice the weight for you know. Oh, yeah, well, and it shows it establishes immediately that he's been doing this for a long time and he knows exactly how to do it. And I will I will say that it that it does do a good job of of without killing us with so much. Um, there's a word I can't find it. Exposition. Exposition. There it is. Yep. Exposition that they there are little clues like that. Yeah. Like oh yeah, well now we can infer because A B C. Right. So that's nice that it it, it was at least um, efficient in storytelling in that yeah, regard. Yeah, totally. Um, where it, I guess uh, what I'm guessing is something that probably annoyed you was all of Benoit's rants about like urban development. Um, I just found it unnecessary. I did you like it? I think it was important in establishing his character and because it it makes him such a um what's the word? Like he's he's a snobby buffoon in so many ways. <laughs> I agree with that. Because he is so opinionated on things and you kind of feel like he's opinionated on things that he thinks he should be opinionated on, like urban development and architecture. Um, that he's like constantly trying to sound smarter than he is or, yeah. or sound more educated or is, as if he should be in this like different social circle. Uh, like, and I mean, you could see like he's very, you know, he wants to go out and eat mussels. He wants to go to a nice restaurant. He wants to, he goes to art shows with his girlfriend and like tries to talk about paintings. So it, it, it actually works really well to establish who he is. It's just that even in a, you know, 90 minute movie, it just gets tiring. <laughs> Yeah. Because he keeps talking about it. Yes. Um, and I get that they want to establish this, like, nuanced character that isn't just a guy that kills people. Right. But for, for me, it is for no reason at all because the second he kills people, he is just that guy that kills people. Hmm. It doesn't... I don't like him. I don't care about all the rambly stuff he did or when he got drunk and yelled at people. Like, I don't like him. Oh, yeah. And I don't care about his little nuances because he's this dude that kills people. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, he, yeah, he is a despicable human being. Um, I think the actor does a great job. And I think with the wrong actor, this movie would be unwatchable. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's, it's funny because I'm like, again, now in my head, I'm thinking about this too. Because I would say the same thing for Leslie Vernon and um, Henry. Because Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer, it's a, such a tough role. And Michael, like, there's nobody else that you feel like could do it but Michael Brooker. Yeah. And Leslie Vernon, it's, again, without um, Nathan Basil, it's just not fun. Like, he's so, um, just so effective. And with this, too, it's, it's harder because he's so much more unlikable. And there's no redemption to him and nothing that could, I think even if you had, um, who's, like, the most likable guy, like, I don't know, like, Nathan Fillion in this part you would still hate him because he's just a disgusting human being. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I just think that actor does such a good job and just really um, works it, I guess. Mm -hmm. And uh, the movie was um, made very cheaply and made, again, It was they were film students. And the director, who's the, you know, the guy on camera for a lot of it, Remy Bilbe, uh, I think technically it was directed by three men. It was directed by Remy Bilbe, Benoit Pelevoud and another, <laughs> the, I think the other sound guy, the first dead sound guy, Andre Bunzel. 
I believe they were all three technically co-directors and then I think one of them was also like, I think Belval was also the writer and Benzel was like the cinematographer or something. So it was uh-huh. very much a like collaborative, uh, handmade, homemade production. And it's black and white and I think it has to be for a lot of reasons. Yeah, I, I can agree with that. Yeah, I mean, A, because if you're doing it cheaply, it's would be very difficult to not do it in black and white. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, it, it it gives it a much more art house feel, being in black and white. Yeah. I think in color, it would just, it could easily feel, especially watching it now, 20 years, my God, 20 years later, mm-hmm. um, it would feel like a, sh- it could feel like a shitty horror movie. But in black and white, it does feel like it is an, an art film and a, and a, a fake documentary film. Um, this film is, has sometimes been described as a black comedy. Would you agree with that? I guess. <laughs> I, mean, I love the apathy of what you said that with. I mean, yeah, sure, because, like, that dude's supposed to be, like, funny and stuff. Yeah. I mean, or, like, um, absurd, I guess. I, I think absurd is a good word. Because, yeah. yeah, I don't think it's funny, but I do think it's... I, I think in a very, like, French-European way, it's very absurd. Yeah. In a very kind of, like, um... Yeah, theater of the absurd kind of manner, I would say. Yeah, yeah I could see that. Just the, I mean, and maybe that's part of it. He escaped from prison. How did he escape from prison? Oh, it doesn't matter. Yeah, it, it, it just furthers the narrative. Mm-hmm. Don't pay attention to that. Yeah. 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 Yeah, so, um, so you were not happy with it overall. I mean, that, I guess that's a little bit, um, harsh. I, I didn't like it, but I didn't hate it. I didn't like it because it was inept or it was, it didn't work for me for all the reasons I already yeah, said. Yeah. Um, but that that doesn't mean, and that's where our grades come in, that doesn't mean that I can't understand and appreciate like that it's a progenitor for a certain genre of film, right? I mean... Oh yeah, and I mean, I, I'm very curious what films would cite this as an influence, what filmmakers yeah. cite this as an influence. Because it, it, it is kind of a formula or style that I've, I've since seen more of. Um, but at the time, especially in 92, this was pretty fresh. Certainly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and for the money and for it being first-time filmmakers um, making, you know, money to prove something, I think it's a really well-done film. I think what, what I don't like about it is more just the kind of um, tone and, and style, and not style, but uh, attitude, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a mean film, and I, I don't think it's as, like, funny as... Or maybe I don't find it as funny as I think some people do. No, I, I, I can agree. Well, I agree with you. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. But uh, no, at the same time, it's definitely... Wor- if you have not seen it, I think as any, any modern, like, cult film, like, it's definitely worth watching. Because it is one that gets discussed quite a bit. And I, I can agree with that. Yeah. Um, it, it, like, it is undeniable that this is... It's a reference a, for a lot. It's I feel very like a lot early, of, yeah. Yeah, a lot of movies will, like, talk about these kinds of, like, fake documentaries or, um, like, Inside the Mind of a Serial Killer. Like, this is a, a great movie to bring up and to use as an example for things. So mm-hmm. it's, if you haven't seen it, it's totally worth watching. Um, it's, you know, it's... I don't think it's disturbing, per se. I mean, there's rape and there's... Uh, kid killing 
Yeah. Um, but you're right. if you want to know if this is disturbing, you're asking um, the wrong people. I think. Really, yeah, that's a, a pretty good point. <laughs> but there's something I don't know. There's I guess that also this was one of those movies that probably when it came out, people were like, "Oh my god, is it real?" The same people that were like, "The Blair Witch Project. Those kids are really dead." Yeah. I know it. Uh, at that point, they're just kind of dumb. Mm. But even without that being part of it, I think it's still it's dark and there's uncomfortable and unpleasant things that happen. Um, but you've, I'm sure anybody has seen far worse as far as, uh, yeah, there is, there is one thing in this movie that I really liked. It's towards the end when they go to get rid of, I guess now it's not the rape victim bodies. There's some bodies they go to get rid of or something and they go to that quarry and it's all dried up. Yep. And so that's fucking awesome. Yeah. And again, in the black and white, it just, it looks really horrifying. Yeah. So I really liked that. But other than that, I wasn't particularly disturbed or shocked by anything. Yeah, I hear you. Definitely one that I watched a movie for the first time maybe five years ago and definitely has lost a lot of its kind of shock value for me. Uh, Just And not even just that I'd already seen the movie, but just I think that it I've seen so much since then, I guess. Yeah. 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 Um, But yeah, so uh, let's grade it, shall we? Okie dokie. We got nothing more to say? Um, I will go with for quality of film I'm going to go um, I mean I think as a film it's pretty well made I'll go 6.75 for quality of film yeah quality of film um, 6.5 mm-hmm. um, enjoyment of the film <sighs> again I think it's from a like it's a kind of movie that I think you could only recommend to cinema fans yeah like, cause I don't think this movie is made for anyone else, but people that kind of appreciate what you can do with a, with storytelling in a movie. And in that regard, uh, uh, um, for enjoyment of the film, I'm gonna go six point two five, and most of that is for Benoit Poulevoud's performance and his last name, because it lets me say Poulevoud. <laughs> and when will you ever have that chance again? Uh, we'll find out. Let's see what else he's done. He became quite a big star, I believe, and you could see why. He's he's, he's, he's the only one on the IMDb that actually has like a picture. I didn't click well, on it. I, the, um, Rem, uh, the director, the main director, Remy Belve, I know, um, took his own life some <gasps> years ago. Oh, that's upsetting. That's yeah, always an upsetting. unhappy man. Oh wait, that dude kind of looks familiar in his older. Oh no way! He was in Coco before Chanel, so I've totally seen him in a bunch oh. of stuff. Good for Ben Benoit <laughs> Oh, that's amazing. I've seen him in a ton of stuff. That's really cool. Nice. Um, I, didn't, I didn't realize that. Um, I give it a five. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I, I'm struggling quite a bit, though, because um, I, don't, I didn't like it, but I understand why it's something that you should see. I, and I hate when people say that, but, like, it totally is. And the fact that I didn't like it maybe says what a good film it actually was because it got me to not like it. Hmm. Um, you know, that whole thing. Yeah, like, I mean, it doesn't... Like, it has an unlikable protagonist. I mean, you're supposed to dislike it. this movie is unlikable. You yeah. would think that maybe you're supposed to get behind the film crew or at least kind of understand. And I really think that's, for me, like, that's kind of a flaw is I wish we got a little more of them to begin with so we could see how they really descend into his, into his, to his level. Yeah. Um, if we had had, like, one scene of one of them being like, oh, my God, you can't do this, 
um, then I think that makes it, that makes it a little not not less nihilistic because I mean this is a nihilistic film it's going to be, yeah. but it gives it a little more just rather than like this movie was made by people that hate the world. It's people that hate the world because because of something. Yeah, in a way. So I think there should have been a little more of a journey. I guess. Um, yeah, I mean there is something interesting uh, that we didn't mention is how. Um, in the beginning, in the very start, Benoit is very frenzy, frenzy with, is just very like really positive to the film crew and just very yeah. nice to them. And then there's like weird moments where he's just mean, where he's just, you know, like, oh, you have terrible breath. It's disgusting. You're a disgusting human being. Yeah. It doesn't, I guess it kind of is showing like his personality and how he can say this to people and they still... Because he can say it to them now. If he'd said this to them from the beginning, they would have walked away. But now they're, like, under him, kind of. Mm-hmm. But I guess because the filmmakers are such non-entities. And so even at one point, um, Remy is confessing to the film and he's crying and he's saying how he, you know, he's so sad for the, the sound guy's family. But it it's hard to care because I I I have nothing... I, I haven't seen this guy do anything positive or have any emotions so now he has emotion and i don't quite buy it there i guess mm-hmm. um so yeah i really think that would have helped this movie a lot is just having um giving the film crew or at least one of them a little more of a moral conscience just to show how it could be reversed yeah i can kind of agree with that i don't know if i even gave it that much thought though you know <laughs> because i was so kind of lukewarm on it but it probably yeah Right. If it you if it had been if it was supposed to be about the film crew, I have to. I'm working through this right now. If it was supposed to be through about the film crew and they didn't really go on a journey, then who is it about? I just think they needed a little more establishment of them falling, other than them already having fallen. I guess. I think that would have made a big difference. Yes. All right. So, any more to say about Membat's dog? Um, I don't think so, but I'm glad I watched it. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's one on the lists, on all the lists, so you can cross it off your list. Yeah. And now we're going to take another little break, and we're going to come back, and we're going to talk about 1990... 'en I've got one question for you. Okay. You got any bean dip? Oh, uh, yeah. That <laughs> <was> <laughs> 2001 Series 7, The Contender, is written and directed by Daniel Minahan. 
um, who is mostly a TV director who's done a lot of Game of Thrones mm -hmm. um, and some Six Feet Under and a lot of other TV. Now, I had seen this movie around the time it came out. It, uh, I remember watching it on VHS, so it was a, a, some time ago. Dating myself a little bit, folks. Um, <laughs> and this came out 2001, uh, a cup, right around the time that Survivor and Big Brother were very big, when kind of reality TV was, comp reality competitive TV, I guess, was kind <laughs> of first becoming a big thing. Um, and this movie was made and conceived before this happened, so it's... Uh, pretty uh, revealing in some ways but christine do you want to tell me uh, what the movie's about <clears throat> sure pull back the curtain real quick <clears throat> i have what is um referred to as chronic dry mouth um <laughs> it is when, oh. it is when your mouth is constantly dry but it has nothing to do with dehydration um so i am currently sucking on a mint i apologize um also i just almost choked on it sorry <laughs> okay number one it's very nice of you to to make sure that your breath is nice for the listeners. It's really cool. I know. Um, two, don't choke, please. Okay. So okay. sorry if anybody hears it clinking against my teeth. I know it's probably super annoying, but I can't. <laughs> All right. So this is basically um, a movie about a reality competition television show where they go to, I think this is what happens. They go to the, the winner's town and pick five people, four people. It's, it's six total, so... Okay, five so five people. people. I wasn't sure. I thought mm -hmm. four sounded too few. Yeah, it's easy to lose a few people. I five think. people total. Um, they all have to kill each other um, um, to win, and the person who wins just gets to go kill people again. Well, after you win... Um, it's essentially like a season of TV. So this, it's, the movie is called Series 7. Uh -huh. This is the seventh season, essentially. Yes. Um, so wait, but if they, if they win... In, well, they, they have to go and kill more people, they right? Have to keep going. I think what they say is, if you're a three-time champion, you're free. Oh, okay. I didn't get that. Yeah, and that's why it's so important for Dawn, the lead actress in the movie, is bro played by Brooke Smith from or Catherine Martin from uh, Silence of the Lambs. She's mm -hmm. fucking awesome. She, uh, really she plays a character named Dawn who has won the last two. And if she wins the thir a third one in a row, then you're free. Then you're oh, released. I completely missed that. I'm an asshole. Ah, Thank that, you for that. That is why it's so important that she wins this one. Oh, it looks like she's currently on that show with that real hot dude called Ray Donovan. Um, do you want to know something that like blew my mind just now? So as I think I've said before, um, I usually have the TV on mute when I record. It's nothing you. It's just that I get very like I need. No, it's me. All around me. Yeah. Um, and so they just had an episode of SVU, and you know who fucking was on it? Uh, who? Brooke fucking Smith. <laughs> she she yeah. plays a, a madam. It's great. Um, so I was just very excited. Yeah, apparently she's in an episode of um, American Horror Story. Now I'm going to see her everywhere. She, wait, which season? Um, oh, my computer is such bullshit. Yeah, uh, American Horror Story 2012. So it would have been last season, Asylum. Dr. Gardner. Oh, okay, I remember. She was uh, like in one episode. Um, yeah, she is awesome. Um, she's what, what's great about her is she's like your typical character actress because she is not conventionally pretty at all. She's like a you know big boned woman. Um, she goes for it, and in this movie she she's pregnant. She's eight months pregnant in the movie, um, and she is so fucking badass and interesting. And to me, she just like I think this movie. I, Spoiler alert, I really like this movie, but I really think so much of that is attributed to how fucking good... The way Benoit Pouvard, uh makes Man Bites Dog, I think she makes this movie. Yeah. 
Um, and the other really cool thing is the way this movie is made, and this both helps and kind of hurts it at some points, is it's essentially as if you were watching a marathon of these episodes. Because the movie is, is done in a style where it's not a documentary, it's, you know, previously on Series 7, on, on The Contenders. And they do it as if, like, you're watching snippets of the show. Mm-hmm. And then they'll even do a, like, you know, coming up. And they don't do commercials, but they, like, signify when commercial breaks would be. Yeah, like, yeah. Right, so... Like, they do lead-ins for yeah. stuff, yeah. So it's, it's very much as if you're watching TV show, um, <coughs> which especially they used to do on talk shows, I don't know if they still do, where they'd be like, you know, coming up later in the hour, we find out who the father of Janelle's baby really is. Mm-hmm. Like, so they do all these things that is totally the when you watch these shows that's what it does the the beauty of reality tv is that how amazingly edited it is to manipulate the viewer into like um liking a character and disliking a character and rooting for this person uh one episode and then five episodes later when the producers realized oh shit this 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 contestant who started off as the bitch is the one who wins, so we need to get people to like them. So now we're going to edit around them and, and give them the good edit and everything. And that is what this movie does. Um, the the one, I think, drawback to it is um, the movie, it's set, it, they never say when it's when it's set, but you assume it's like a few years into the future. Yeah, I think at some point it says in the future or in some, I read that somewhere. Maybe it was somebody's assumption. Because there's nothing like, if anything. No, there's no signifiers in the film yeah, itself, and but anything, I read that somewhere. Okay, because it's like done like in the suburbs of Connecticut and it looks like the suburbs. Like the houses yeah. are all like split level. Like, you know, they're in supermarkets. People are ugly. Like it, it feels very real. Um, yeah. But the fact that this TV show is being endorsed by or produced by the government, because you find out that, like, I mean, you have six people are given a gun and have to kill each other, and there's, like, they can't run away. If they run away, it's a crime. Mm -hmm. So you don't, you never understand why. And I kind of think they, that hurts it a little bit, just especially once you get to the ending. I feel like the movie kind of owes the viewer something of an explanation mm-hmm. for why the world is this way or why people are so willing to, to do this and watch it and accept it. Um, but at the same time, the movie has set its own rules where they can't tell you because the movie is done as the TV show that the general audience is watching. Exactly. How would they have told you without doing some really out of place info dump that yeah. didn't serve any other purpose? Yeah. yeah. And that's totally the, like, um, the I'm not I'm not spoiling yet. We we may talk about the ending, but just to say the the ending of this movie they they pull a trick on you. I read about it. Oh, and the the um the alternate ending is on the DVD. I streamed it, so unfortunately, okay. yeah, I, it's funny. I streamed it, and then I found out that, and I have the DVD, and I found out the alternate endings, the endings on there. I'm like, oh fuck it, I'll, I'll put it on. Don't watch it. That's that's awesome. I would like to see it. I read like a play by play of it, though, yeah. so yeah, I'm really. I mean, you, you know what it was. It's super smart. This movie's super smart. It is, and the and the way they they like fool you, it's both frustrating and really fascinating because if you watch the movie as it is. Um, you kind of feel cheated, but you're supposed to because that's what the television does to you. Mm-hmm. Um, and the real ending makes more sense to the story, but it, it could not, it wouldn't make sense to be shown to you. Exactly. They wouldn't, if they're staying with this theme, with this thing that they, I guess that's what it is. They're so dedicated to this idea. Of that you are watching what is airing on ABC on a Saturday. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. That they can't 
they can't give you the real story because if they gave you the real story, they would break the rules of right. the movie. Yeah. yeah. Although the, the real story does give you more about how, like, and you get it a little bit with, um, with how, like, the general population feels about it. Um, the DVD, another, they have deleted scenes, and one of them is just, like, interviews with people on the street about, like, who they like and who they don't like. Mm -hmm. And some of them are just like, oh, I love Dawn. She's so great. And others are like, oh, she's terrible. Like, and... It's, it's like it actually makes sense to have those. You could tell they didn't put them in the movie because this is a pretty low budget movie, and the people they had for those scenes were not good actors. Yeah. Um, but that sense, like, I think you do get it because you have like Dawn goes to see her family who she hasn't seen in, in you know fifteen years, and she meets her niece for the first time, and her niece is like a you know an eight year old girl who is just like, oh my god, my aunt is this famous woman on TV. That's so cool. Yeah. It's like yeah, your your aunt is famous for killing ten people. But that's so cool in the, in this society. Mm -hmm. um, this uh, and that's another thing with the kind of like manipulation is what they do with the Tony character. Yeah. Now, yes. 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 This is just with the knife and the yeah. throat. Yeah. Oh yeah. Tony is this um, like thirty something, um, uh, very like laid off construction worker, I believe, and you know he's married and has a, a kid or two, and seems like you're kind of like. You know, the, the typical guy that, you, you know, you, you'd see and, he, you know, he's like a recovering drug addict and stuff. But he's kind of like, and the actor's really good at being like, just like a real dude. Yeah. And he, at one point, uh, grabs his baby daughter and is driving away and is trying to, you know, just get away from the whole game. And you see, it's where the first time you really see that what the TV is telling you is not what you're, what's really happening. Yep. Because they have, the narrator is saying, you know... Tony was holding a knife to his, to his baby's neck and that, but, you know, ended up in the hospital for a self-inflicted wound to his back. And you see what happens and that's not what he never holds the knife to his kid's face. Yeah. And how the fuck do you have a self-inflicted wound in your back? It, it's impossible and it doesn't make sense. And you see, it's like, it's the first kind of inklings of like, they're not telling you everything. Mm -hmm. and, and if you're not paying attention, oh, yeah. then you, you're like, oh yeah, that dude, because that's what oh, they yeah, said was happening. Yeah. Yeah. But then you realize, like, it's a movie that really does challenge you because you, you, you have to watch it and listen to it really carefully. And you're like, oh, what's, there's something going on behind, like, beneath yeah. the lines. And it's really cool. Um, and the narrator, did you know who the narrator was? I mean, you well, saw him at the end. The narrator, who, the actual narrator, that wasn't him. But he came out at the end. Or, no, I think they credit him as the narrator. Yeah, but that's not his. It happened. I had to re. I wanted to rewatch it and see, and I still. But have that's to... not his voice. Are you sure? I'm almost positive. It might be. Hold on, I'm bringing things up. Okay, I think my, it might be. My computer is the slowest. I, feel like I don't want to spoil it now because it's like I totally forgot that it that minor celebrity um popped well, up at I the was, very end. I was I was super excited yeah. to see this this person. I love how teasy we're being. I know. This person I showed up. I think it's like Michael Shannon or something. It is not. Um, stupid IMDb, why are you so slow? It's not IMDb, guys, it's my computer. It's garbage. <laughs> um, well, somebody uh, else is in this movie that I really like, um, who is Mary Louise Burke. Who, plays, who is that? She plays Connie, the nurse. Oh, well, I guess it is credited on IMDb as voice, but... I think it's him. I think it's him the whole time. I, but maybe I'm getting confused because there's male promo voice and female promo voice mm. as well. I didn't think it sounded like it him, actually but... actually is him. But that's awesome. I know. I need to rewatch it just to hear him, I think. Um, so don't look at IMDb if you want to be surprised, folks. But Mary Louise Burke plays the nurse, 
<laughs> she, uh, you might remember her from Sideways. She's Paul Giamatti's mother in Sideways. Oh, I've only seen that once a million years ago. I remember, I always knew this woman because when I went to see Into the Woods on Broadway in like 2002 or so, mm. um, she was in it and she was playing Jack's mom. And I didn't recognize her first and she came out and like, she, she can't sing actually. And I was like, why the fuck did they, did they cast this woman? But then she was so funny in the part that I forgave her. And I think she's great in this too. And her character is just very fun because she plays this like, probably like 50, 60 something Catholic nurse uh, who you assume is going to be, um, you know, a sweet and caring woman who is given a gun and looks like a deer in the headlights when she's given one and turns out to be a pretty badass uh, and racist and um, possibly a murderer before that. Yeah, yeah, they really, they allude to that pretty heavily. Yeah, but it's kind of cool. And again... I will always appreciate any movie that has a core cast who are not all 18-year-old pretty people. Yeah. And this movie, I mean, again, the fact that Brooke Smith is your, is your lead says one thing. And just that you have even the six people chosen for this game, you have a, like, middle-aged nurse. You have Brooke, pregnant Brooke Smith. Um, this, you know, dude who's a father. You have, a, like, a 75-year-old old coot. And then you have a teenager who's actually re- has, I think, is also really funny. She was great. And yeah. I was sad that she wasn't in it more. Yeah, because um, they, so, because I guess the rule of the game is just if you're 18 or older, you're, you're entered into this lottery. So your 18-year-old is named Lindsay, and she has very overprotective parents and a boyfriend uh-huh. who loves her so much that he goes half-sea on a bulletproof vest for her. Uh-huh. And, like, uh-huh. all of those, the, her scenes are just really funny. They are. They really and, are. They they, not to use the word again, but they, they really highlight how absurd this whole thing is. Exactly. Because you have yeah. the parents who are, like, so go get them and so, like, over-the-top supportive. But then, like, they can't. They also, the rules of the game are you can't help someone. Yeah. And so then, like, when she's getting beaten in the face, they can't do anything. They just have to stand there. Um, so, but again, it's, it's very absurd. And it's really funny, but also, you know, sad and stuff. Um, and she's gone on to, I think, have, like, quite a career as an actress, so good on her. Uh, we get the, I think the moment, the first time I saw this, where, like, I really knew I loved this movie was when we learned more about Dawn and Jeff, who is the other competitor we haven't spoken about. And Jeff is an artist, a sensitive artist who's dying of prostate cancer. Mm -hmm. And Jeff and Dawn, when they were in high school, it was the 80s, and Mm -hmm. they were big fans of The Cure. Yep. So we get to see a music video they did in art class. Very funny. It's awesome. And it's just a really funny moment that you kind of have to, I don't think we can do justice to describe it. Oh, no, no. Yeah, it's, it's really, really, and really it's just such though. a perfect, like, this is what kids in art school in the 80s would do. Uh-huh. Um, the line that I wish I could still say, but I don't think the store exists anymore, but meet me at the mall in front of the Wix and Sticks concession stand. Yeah, yeah, man. I was like, Wix and, Wix and Sticks? Like, the thing... Okay, let me ask you a question, and maybe this is too spoilery, and it's not about Wix and Sticks. <laughs> um, but, like, when they get those notes, you know, hey, go to the Wix and Sticks, and I'll tell you what's really going on. Is that supposed to be an illusion that there's more going on? I think up? because it signed someone from the underground. Yeah. And I think the idea is that there, there are people out there. Because, again, we know the game is something government-related. Yeah. And earlier, Dawn talks about how, like, when Tony is running away and she's like, I just, you know, there was a part of me that wanted him to just go and get out and be free. Yeah. 
So you do know that, like, okay, this is that kind of society. Um, but the... Uh, so, yeah, I think it is supposed to say something to, like, there are people that think this is wrong okay. that are anti-government that would help you. So for some reason, I didn't... I wasn't sure mm-hmm. if if I was if I was making things up and just ignoring the fact that another contender sent those just to gather everybody or if it was well I think because none of them realized that other people got it yeah and maybe it maybe the letters because um, we only hear I think uh, yeah no I mean for all we know the letters may, might have said like meet me at 9 meet me at 9.15 or something yeah. Um, but I mean, we do find out that, you know, the letters were written by someone to get everybody in one place and hope to, that they would kill each other. Um, but yeah, I think the implication is that, cause remember Dawn won't, Dawn and Lindsay both don't show the letter to the camera. Yeah. So I think it is supposed to be something to the effect of like, you know, there are people that, that want to do something about this. There are people in district 13, if you will. Yes. <laughs> I think, thank you for that reference. Yes. Um, and then it, that, that gives us another great thing about Connie is that, uh, another line that I love, which is Connie is driving away and Dawn is in a car right behind her. And Dawn says something of normally I don't do car chases because they're tacky and innocent people can get hurt. Yeah. Which I think says so much about Dawn. Um, but the great thing about that is that she's, Dawn's like driving to try to catch Connie and then she realizes Connie's right in front of her because she's stopping at all the stop signs. Yep. Which is really funny. Really funny. Yeah. Um, and Jeff, who's like the sensitive artist who won't participate in the game because he's a pacifist. But every time they show him watching TV, he's watching something really violent. Yeah, I thought that, that was funny too. Yeah. Um, so there's like so many little uh, touches like just throughout the movie that I think this movie was filmed with such care um, that it's... I really appreciate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so now this was your first viewing. and uh, Absolutely. Yeah, so tell me some things. Did you like it? I liked it a lot. Yeah. I thought it was really smart. Mm-hmm. I thought it was still very relevant, even though it was from 2001. Yeah. Like, shockingly relevant. Yeah, um, and it's, it's funny when we look at, like, what we were just talking about with Man Bites Dog, how, you know, it was fairly revolutionary for its time, maybe, in that it, you know, but now we've seen it so many times. Um, like this movie, there's been a lot of like these sort of reality TV battle royale esque stories told that mm-hmm. really kicked off around this time, just because it became I think more in our conscience. Uh-huh. Um, but I think this one, because it is so specific in some ways to everyday people and suburbia and reality TV and how it can manipulate you so easily, yep. I feel like this one holds up amazingly well. It really does. It it. It, it didn't. It felt like you could have been watching a reality television show from the early two thousands. Yeah. yeah, and I think the like like that was still running now, and you watch it now, and everybody's you know got iPads and shit. That's mm-hmm. how I date things. If people have iPads, God, how old am I? <laughs> but you know, you know what I mean. Like like that that it's still something running, and this is just an older one. You know, it it seemed very, and the world that they created was very full. Mm-hmm. And it was interesting. Yeah, yeah. Um, I believe uh, Daniel Minahan had worked a lot in reality. That I, I don't know reality TV because there wasn't that much reality TV at this time. But I think yeah. if, if I mean I think any kind of nonfiction TV, I guess, would probably give 
you this kind of experience. Yeah. And I think that shows very well that he knew exactly how TV works as far as like segment and length of segment and when it would cut to the next one and how they would lead into the next story. Yeah. Um, it's just, it's, it's done very well in being so manipulative. Um, and uh, putting that aside, it's also just really funny and really well acted. Yep, it is. And the, um, they managed to make likable, nuanced characters when, you know, there's, there's no time. This is a short movie. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's very I mean, short. This movie could have been so much longer and I would have been happy. I mean, you have the five main contenders, but then you also have um, Jeff's wife. Jeff's wife. And the, I mean, you don't get much of them, but you also, they show the camera people and she's yep. interacting with the camera. Like, there's so much going on, but yet each person manages to be an actual character. Yeah. And they do like love- even even the younger one what was her name Lindsay, Lindsay her boy yeah. even her boyfriend <laughs> yes. is a, is an actual character even though he's on screen like twice. What is what is his line that I love? It's like yo man, just fuck virgins. Yeah, yo, fuck all virgins. Fuck all virgins. <laughs> so funny. It's really funny. Um, and yeah, and all their families and like even Jeff when they're like they they flash back to his wedding video, and that's another thing that I like about this movie is there's um. It's very kinetic. And again, how much of this is just because TV is kind of like this. They never hold too long on like one scene or one visual. Yeah. You know, it's like if a character is, is talking in one scene to her family, the next scene is going to be a flashback to a video or to a clip from an old show or something where it's like it's a really kinetic movie, I think. Yeah, it. it's it's pacey in the way that in the way that reality television like is anticipating mm-hmm. you to lose interest yeah yeah it's no um, but not in a bad way more. not in like a frantic yeah like yeah it's it's really interesting because it you know it doesn't feel long you are constantly waiting for that next reveal because they're fucking teasing it yeah yeah it's really really interesting yeah um yeah my only real issue with it is that I, again, I kind of want to know more about the world. Mm-hmm. Um, at the same time, I can understand the justification for not knowing more about the world. Uh, and I, I'm mixed on the ending. Because I think, again, the ending makes perfect sense with the rules. But it's just frustrating because I feel like as a result, the movie suffers a little bit. Yeah, but I mean, you know what you're getting into with this. And yeah. Fuck, I applaud them for being like, this is what we're doing. Yeah. And- I don't care if, if you think it's to the detriment of the film, we're doing it. Yep, because it is ultimately true to the story we're telling and how we're telling it. Yeah. So yeah, it, it's ballsy to really to end it that way. Because I, I mean, again, like, because this was fairly low budget, I don't know that they had the luxury or um, the opposite of luxury of, like, a test audience. But yeah. I am sure most people would prefer the, the original um, ending that is a little more definitive and a little more um, specific and you walk out that you leave the movie knowing exactly what happened. But, and this other ending that's kind of frustrating because you're like, wait, but how did, but again, it just is truer to the spirit of this film. And I'm totally talking myself into completely agreeing with the ending. Well, yeah, I mean, I get what you're saying. It leaves something to be desired. You want, you know, well, that doesn't seem right. Something doesn't ring true with this. I mean, that's the in this film. That is the reality of of it. That's what has to happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 
And I mean, hey, I was watching the cycle of America's Next Top Model All Stars when the it got down to the final three and the girl won, and then she was eliminated, and they didn't even say why on the show. It was just all of a sudden she wasn't there, and somebody else won. Um, so I know what it's like to be manipulated as a viewer of reality television. Wait, what happened? Oh, it turned out that um, the girl, like, because I mean, obviously, any reality TV show it's filmed like months before it airs. Yeah. And she had said something on like her Facebook page or Twitter that like kind like she was contractually not and I don't think she said she won but she said something that like violated the rules of her contract uh-huh. so they were like you know what you didn't win um we have to re like we have to redo the ending so then they like brought the two other girls back to be to like pick one of them as the winner but as the show you're watching the show and all three of them are in the final walk-off and then it cuts to it comes back from commercial and it's Tyra Banks standing there with two of the girls saying um, Angelique had to uh, leave the competition. So it's between you two. And you're like, but but I'm a viewer and I, I just put in six weeks of my time watching this show and you're not gonna, you're really like just assuming I don't care and I'm not gonna investigate this further. Yeah. So it just kind of, That's you know, interesting. Yeah, it's kind of, and it's how it works because, yep. you know, I mean, what power do I have as a viewer? I exactly, that outcome no longer serves their purpose. Mm-hmm. So they're gonna so change that up. That. Yeah, you know. Just like Series 7, The Contenders. <laughs> Bring it back around. Yeah. I would I would love them to do a sequel. Um, I would also just... I will watch anything. Yeah, like, make it now. Yeah. Why like, not? Ser- like, Series... I don't know. Like, 15. Like, 20 years. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Do that. Like 10 years. Do it. Ugh. So yeah, long so as this you can bring back Brooke Smith. This is a heavy recommend. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad you enjoyed it. Oh, I loved it. It's one that I've recommended to a lot of people in my, you know, in the 12 years since I've seen it. Um, And it's streaming. It is streaming, everybody. And if you want to see the ending, you can buy the DVD. And I think I might because I'm really interested. And the DVD also has a lot of deleted scenes, too. And I Mm -hmm. think it has a commentary. Yeah, it's really, really good, everybody. Yeah. High, high recommend. Um, So we got to grade it now. Yeah. You want me to go first? Sure. I went first last time. That's only fair. Quality of film. Um gonna give it a solid eight yeah that's exactly what i was gonna say yeah yep um quality of life probably like an 8.5 yeah i'm gonna go 8.75 yeah because i just found this uh, every time i've watched it maybe two or three times now every time i watch it i just have so much fun with it yeah it, it it's definitely rewatchable yeah. because i'm sure i'll pick up on other things mm-hmm, I think now so. that i kind of know that there are things to look for mm-hmm. yeah so i'm really interested um yeah. performances just, like, are solid are so great yep. and the performances are so good yep Really and good. this movie is really funny, too. Like, people it, might have called Man Bites Dog a black comedy, but this is a black comedy. It's, it's definitely funny. funny. Yep, the it's really clever. This movie is, like, one of my favorite things ever. Super clever, doesn't feel dated, doesn't feel stale, like, oh, reality TV, how much more commentary can we get? No, really, it's good. Yeah, seriously, folks. Believe us. Please. Yes, I implore you. Yes, indeed. All right, so I guess that's a wrap on Series 7? Yeah. Awesome. I'm Thanks for um, picking it. My pleasure. After after putting you through Supergirl, I had to make up for it. Oh, well, do you know that Netflix... I think, yeah, I did, actually. I did tell you this. Oh, so you Netflix lost the DVD. Lost my, so I send Supergirl the second I'm done with it. I'm like, mm-hmm. get this away from me. Um, and I had another movie that was supposed to come. Um, I think it was Loveless, Lovelace, okay. the Amanda Seyfried movie. Yep. Which is now streaming, so it oh, all works out. Yeah. Everybody then. So I was supposed to get that, and then we picked movies, and I was like, oh, okay, well, 
I should move that up to the top of my queue. Oh, wait, I still never got that other movie. Oh, wait, they never got Supergirl. Uh-huh. So I had to mark it as lost. So I don't know. Who stole the Supergirl DVD, everyone? I mean, on one hand, maybe it's for the best that one more person won't get to watch Supergirl as a result. Because now maybe it's going to be a long wait for other people because that's one less DVD that they got, you know? That's true. I don't know where it is. Now, I'm glad that Netflix believes me and doesn't, like, fault me because I would be so mad. That would, yeah, would be frustrating. For Supergirl, of all things. (laughs) Well, it's like when I went through um, two two scratch DVDs of Bratz, the movie. Yes, I remember this. Yes, it took me three rentals to get one that worked. The first one I just put in, it didn't work. So I sent that one back. They sent another one that I looked at the DVD and it looked as if somebody had taken their cat and like stuck something up its ass so that the cat would scratch it with all its might. Somebody hated the movie that much. Um, But finally they sent it to me and it was great. And I highly recommend it. Uh, But that's not my Netflix instant recommend. Should we talk about our Netflix instant recommend? Sure. You go first. Um, So mine is uh, kind of fitting to Man Bites Dog and Series 7 in a way was I just happened to see that this was on Instant Watch, and I haven't. I only watched it once, and I was very impressed, and I feel like it's a movie more people should talk about, and it's 19... Uh, I don't know the year. I want to say it's late, late 60s or early 70s, directed by Peter Bogdanovich. It is Targets. Do you know this movie with Boris Karloff? Yes. Yeah, I know. I've never seen it. Oh, it's you. I think you, you especially would find it really fascinating. Hmm. It is about, on one hand, a man who decides he is going to go climb up at a drive-in and shoot people. And on the other hand, it is about a retiring film star played by Boris Karloff, who is, uh, did a lot of horror movies and now finds that the world is changing and has one last movie to promote and kind of how these stories intersect. And it's was a very early kind of meta movie in a way mm-hmm. of looking mm-hmm. at movie violence and, you know, what it does to people or, or what, people make of it and everything um i really need to rewatch it because i feel like i didn't give it the time it deserved when i first did but i highly recommend if anybody has not seen it that they give it a chance i wish i could remember but somebody had either referenced it or written about it yeah and i would believe old, that in an old issue of of para cinema sure um and that is the first time i heard about it and i immediately added it to my queue and i still haven't watched it yeah it's one of those i'm really surprised it's not talked about more but for whatever reason, it's not. But do it, people. Do no, it. I would like to. Okay, good. All right. Um, my recommend is, I don't know if you recommended this. <laughs> Some Somebody recommended this to me, and I, I don't think it was you, but it, I can't think of who else it would have been. Um, it's a movie called The Corridor. No, it's not me. Okay, so. It's you, on my cue. Dude, it's actually really good, and it freaked me out. Huh. Um, I don't know why the, the, the IMDb rating is like a 4.6. Is it, um, uh, tell me first, because I will consider doing it this way or not. Do I have to watch it all in one sitting? Will it lose its effect if I break it? Um, I actually had to shut it off because I got so freaked out. Oh, okay. So I probably um, should. You should probably watch it all the way. The pre-midlife crisis blues with a bonding weekend in the woods when they, or they, where they discover a ghostly corridor trans, trans, traversing the forest. I could see people not liking it. It's really low budget. Um, it's kind of tropey. Like, it's a little s- uh, rehashy in some places. But the the way certain things are ex- ex- executed is like low budget horror filmmaking at its best. Okay, cool. 
Um, I really liked it. I was very impressed by it. All right, nice. I've been cool. trying. I've been trying to watch the thing things on the instant horror things that I might not look at just because I'm like, oh, that looks too low budget. Because I feel like I'm missing out on a lot of good stuff. Yeah, I mean, House Hunting is a prime example of one that I would not have watched without your uh, endorsement on, and See, it was it was great. I'm trying to branch out. So the corridor is is something that was on my queue for a while. Whoever recommended it to me, thank you. Um, <laughs> but it was really creepy. Good usage of snow. That is an important which, factor. Which we both like. Yeah, you do like snow. I do. Cool. Um, so now, now we have today's <laughs> December eighth. Yeah. We're hoping to to cram in another episode this month because uh, you know, tis the season, as they say. Yep. Um, so Christine decided we should do something seasonal, and you yeah. did something. I picked something that I don't know if I didn't pick it for this reason. I picked it kind of because it was on instant watch and kind of because I was going to watch it anyways and kind of because I think it's going to be fun to talk about and kind of because I haven't seen it since I was a kid. Um, but in investigating it further, there's multiple ties to our fair show. Um, my pick is 1985's Santa Claus, uh-huh. the movie um, starring Dudley Moore yeah, and directed by the guy that did Supergirl. <laughs> Oh, fuck. That's right, because that's what we were talking about last time. Um, but yeah, I really, I was going to watch it anyways. I have a distinct memory of sitting in, in class, when, in like elementary school, watching this movie before, some, before Christmas break, sucking on a candy cane, sharpening it to a point. <laughs> I don't know if you ever did this. Oh, and God, making yeah. myself bleed, like puncturing I my tongue. In order to make myself bleed, but it would happen sometimes. That happened, I, and I was gushing blood, and I remember sitting... <laughs> Watching this movie, gushing blood out of my mouth. So, no matter what, it will probably be a better viewing this time, I would think. I'm so excited. Nice. Um, we're going to pair that with uh, <laughs> something. I am so excited. Now, let me tell you. Um, this is a movie that uh, a friend of mine introduced me to back in high school. And for her, this was a movie she watched like every year and I'd never heard of it. And um, I thought it was really obscure and was like, oh, I think it's on YouTube. So maybe we're going to have to watch it that way. Turns out it's on fucking Instant Watch. <laughs> 1966's The Christmas That Almost Wasn't. Wait, I know that name. I don't know what that is, though. Uh, it is from 1966. It is a live-action okay, movie. It is a musical. Oh, Emily. Uh-huh. It stars, I think, the, the guy who played the lead in South Pacific. Um, it also stars, uh, the guy who played King, the King in, um, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Okay. Um, yeah, so it's a movie that was, like, done in Italy, but dubbed into English, or done in English and then dubbed back into English. So clearly, it was made for you. This movie is just one of those, like, trying to figure out how to describe it. It has a lot of songs, and they're all kind of... Some of them are... Like, there's one or two that I'm like, wow, that could be a good Christmas song. And then there's one or two that are kind of terrible in a really Yeah, it kind of looks horrifying. Oh, it is. There are there are elves. Um, and then there's the guy in charge of the elves, who's very confusing. Uh, his name is... Well, I'll, I, actually, his name reveal, I think, is really great. So I'm not going to tell you. Okay, well we'll, well, we'll wait, because it looks okay. horrifying. And both of our movies are scored at a 5.5 and a 5.2. Ooh, well, so... Yeah. It's fun. It's going to be a fun episode, I tell you that much. Not, um, I don't... I think this episode is going to have a much lower body count than, than the one we just did now. Well, here, well, you never know. I know. I, I haven't seen Santa Claus the movie. It, I mean... 
If you it, haven't, if you've you, never seen it? No. If it can, John Lithgow is in it. Scenes to stab themselves with candy canes. I imagine it's pretty scary. Oh, man. I, I don't know. I thought everybody watched that in school. <laughs> Um, yeah, the Christmas it almost wasn't, on the other hand, will terrify you with its use of extreme close-ups. Oh, God, I can't wait. I can't so play remember. play along with us, Please because they're both streaming. They're, it's the holidays. We, we're doing this for you, everybody. These are movies that we think, you know, you need this Christmas. I mean, we could have done, like, It's a Wonderful Life in a Christmas Story, but Fuck come on. that shit. Come on. <laughs> Dudley Moore is an elf, people. Uh-huh. And a lot of scary little people as elves. Oh, gosh. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, I'm excited. So Me we'll too. Soon. Um, in the meantime, um, happy December. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not sure exactly when we'll get to that episode, but it'll be this month. Um, and we, you know, wish you all the merriest of holidays, and I hope the weather is safe for everyone in, in these times. Yeah, be careful out there. Yeah, I mean it's you know, it's, it's it's cold out there and icy and you know you got you got to drive safe, you got to walk safe, you got to run safe. Think about it. Yeah. Black ice. You know how many people it kills a year? Probably a lot. Live safe, guys. That's right. Uh, on that note, should we say good night? Yeah. Um, have a good night, guys. Later. Go watch series seven. Scooter. Yes, ma'am. Gonzo. Check. <laughs>